We are all worthy, strong, and committed, and we are ready to go beyond our own limitations. Welcome back, my friends and loved ones, to the Rebel Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my co-host, Thor, of course, and I'm here as a friend, a creator, a powerlifter, and a provocateur. And we are here to learn to question the one thing that keeps us from our best, ourselves. Join me as we dive deep to question and strengthen our communication and our vulnerability, create a healthier mind to commit to our goals, and how to give more to our lovers and the world. We're going to face the uncomfortable truths of what it means to be authentically and uniquely flawed, but awesome humans. So, let's get rebel-minded. Also, I'll bring in stories of all things powerlifting, Thor shenanigans, and probably some embarrassing mishaps. Let's do this. What the fuck is up, guys? Man, it feels like it's actually been a little while since I've recorded. Partially my fault. I do owe you guys a episode 61. That will be coming. I refuse to label the next episode as 61 because 61 is supposed to be a solo episode. But welcome back to the RMP. I'm Zach, your host, and we're here to question the fuck out of everything and find everything it takes to be rebel-minded. And lately I've had a lot of guests on that have given their own perception uh, as such. And today you're going to be hearing from somebody that I think is an amazingly colorful colorful person. I think she's rebel-minded by nature. And I don't just say that she's colorful because she's bisexual. I say that because, partially because she's bisexual, because she is authentic and she has an amazing smile and she has an amazing perspective and she doesn't let anything destroy who she is and what she finds worthy in her life. And she's also out there to help so many people. And I am going to introduce you to her as soon as we get through her bio, but I wanted to make sure that you guys were doing okay this week. I would love to hear any stories that you guys have. You can always contact me on IG or uh, directly through the podcast on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, If you can, give a review, give a thumbs up, give whatever it takes to give a little positivity to the podcast. I love this podcast it keeps it keeps me alive and it keeps my perspective open and let's get back to the question how did you guys do this week what was what was amazing this week I had my first competition my first powerlifting competition in three years it went amazing the numbers weren't great but I was able to bench again which was fantastic because I for the last couple years I haven't been able to bench over 135 so that felt fan fucking tastic And uh, it was great to get back on the platform. It reminded me of why I do what I do, why I enjoy powerlifting, regardless of what my goals are with it. I do have goals with powerlifting, but I was out of it for so long that I was unsure of what that meant. I was unsure of my intention with the sport. And uh, I think that's okay. I think sometimes we have to have our seasons in and out of stuff to understand why 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 we do what we do. So I hope that I hope you guys keep grinding. It's one thing that I've noticed about myself is I haven't necessarily found that that power, that potential power of being in action, you know, at 110% and grinding hard. I have my moments when that happens, but I also as a flawed human 
have those moments and then and then I break really easy. But my growth has been in how fast I recover, you know. So my next goal is how long can I sustain my action? How long can I keep my motivation up and my confidence up and keep grinding and stop listening to everybody else and follow my own path? Um, and I have less and less times where I beat myself up and not as harshly. So whatever is, is that you're doing, whatever rebel-minded thing that you are doing, keep questioning whatever it is that's negative. Keep, keep questioning all the things that are getting in your way. And without further ado, let's meet with our next guest. Now I'm going to present Shauna's bio from her perspective. So as long as you can follow through, this is what she gave me and it sounds amazing. My name is Shauna V and I am a proud bisexual woman of the world. I have lived from coast to coast and am grateful to have called Southern California my home for the past six years. My favorite pastimes include taking care of my plant fam, practicing yoga, thrifting, crate digging, living room, kitchen, and chair dancing, and reading and talking about all of the books that take a deep dive into personal growth. Career-wise, I have made it my life's mission to elevate humans for over 15 years with a focus on women and members of the LGBTQ plus community. I offer a variety of services to entrepreneurs and small businesses, which include empowerment coaching and creative consulting, as well as headshot photography sessions. I am also certified in yoga and meditation and incorporate these practices into the work I do with all of my clients. Adding coaching to my bubble of awesome allowed me to become for others what I needed more of in my own life. Someone to ignite your flame, to burn the judgments of others, to remind you of your brilliance. That's me, your fuck yeah friend. And if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. This is episode 62 with Shauna V. What is the, uh, what's the beginning of Shauna? Why do you think Shauna is the way that she is? Mm. You know, what came you, what brought you to be in this position and what brought you to even being connected to something that seems rebel-minded for yourself? Let's hear mm. Shauna's story. Oh yeah. So, you know, this is something I've actually talked about on my website. And so I was just talking with a client the other day about this and we were really kind of getting down to the, the nitty gritty of, um, tapping into ourselves and to our story. And so what makes us unique? What makes us, what, why, why me? Why, why choose me as, as somebody to be your coach? Why choose me to be somebody to help you walk through this life as an accountability partner? So for me, you know, like, honestly, I think it started with people dimming my light. And so for me, I never thought had, like, I thought I was a little girl. I, I grew up in the eighties and I legit thought that I sounded just like the queen, Miss Whitney Houston herself. And it wasn't until, no, like, no kidding. I was like, I sound just like her. Like I have a future. (laughs) And so my little human self was like, gets to Catholic school choir and some dumb, dumb girl um, 
decides that she was going to tell me I was a bad singer. And I was like, bitch, please. Like, what do you mean? I like, I was like, I sound like Whitney. And so that was literally the first, my first memory of somebody like dimming my shine. And then over the years, I kind of felt like there were these little like things that keep like chipping away and like dismissing my uniqueness. So like mm-hmm. being told I was too much or too loud or too bright or too eccentric, too out of the box. And that like over the years, I turned that into my superpower. So really embracing that, like knowing I j- always had the right amount of awesome in me mm-hmm. and I was not made to fit in any type of box that was made by others for me. Yeah. And so like, really that's it. Like, like embodying like my truest version of myself. And I struggle with it all the time. Like if, and there's moments that I'm like, wait, is this really me? Is this, is this like somebody else's story or is it mine? And then, you know, really having to come into that power, but yeah, I mean, that's really like the beginning of it. And that's it. That's why my brand is called vibrant human. (laughs) So, so to, to come back on that. So Mm -hmm. that was pretty, that first interaction was pretty early on. Right. Mm -hmm. So for you, was it kind of like a snowball effect? It kind of sounds like, like you had things that kept coming to that point and you realizing, Hey, like this doesn't feel right. And I'm going to, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to go my direction. Mm. I think that it took a little bit of time. I think it took like multiple of those things to happen, Uh you know, like as kids, especially as girls, I think, I I know that like, you know, all kids have different experiences and in Mm. the binary of boy and girl, like, especially of how we were raised, you know, and I know in like my generation, that's how we were raised. Um, We, you know, everybody had their own experiences. For me, I remember you know, it was like, I went to a Catholic school. And so we were taught to, you know, it was like, essentially it was supposed to take some of the competition out of it by everybody wearing uniforms, everybody Mm -hmm. fitting, like literally just, it had nothing to do with anything, no socioeconomic status, no nothing, just, you know, you, you all look, look ish the same. And so, but there was still things. So I remember like kids shoes and I remember kids, uh, like certain, um, shorts they would wear under their skirts and those things I was very present to the fact that mine were different so like my Mm -hmm. friends all had like adidas soccer shoes and I was like I want those and my mom's like yeah but you dance you don't play soccer I'm like I don't care I want to look like all the rest (laughs) of them and 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 to that same point the kids would then in turn like because you didn't look like them or have the same things as them you then were put into like a weird box or something because you had kids or some like literally anything else that didn't match these specific shoes and it's just so ridiculous the comparison that was happening. And in, right. and in reality now as like an adult human, I'm like, that makes total sense. Why would I have had my, why would my mom have spent X amount of money on some Adidas shoes for me to not give a shit about soccer? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so I think that little things like that kept trying to like narrow us into these boxes and we all were, you know, trying to, figure ourselves out while also being told to look the same, to act the same, to walk the same line. And then if you take it to the extra level of Catholic school to sit down, to kneel, to do the sign of the cross, to do all the things that were literally cookie cutter, like things that everyone else was doing, these rituals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Cause I think that there's, I think that there's, 
definitely some importance in, in structure, right? But it seems like in adolescence, there's so much that kind of crosses the boundary that suppresses us, like kind of like mm-hmm. you were, like you were saying, like you had these feelings that were challenging who you were supposed to be. And this thing kind of continually happens. And it doesn't matter to me whether people are religious or, you know, whether, especially now, like we have, um, we have a world that's, that's pulling away from binary, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and seeing that there's more of a spectrum to, there's a spectrum to life, there's a spectrum to sexuality, there's a spectrum, a spectrum to gender, there's a spectrum Mm -hmm. to all these different things. I think it's, it's finally like this new blossoming of things, but it seems like so many of us in schools before were trying to be told that this is what we were supposed to do in school. This is what we're supposed to do as a boy or a girl. This is what we were supposed to do um, as far as our career and, you know, our interests and things. And I think it leaves so only so many paths that, you know, we can fall down or, you know, follow. And with the, there's, I think there would be very few people that could actually go down those very few paths. Like there's so much more to broaden us up and, and open us up. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, for me, that's something that like, it, I really came to this, uh, to identify with like, I think it went, and it was only, it was a little over a year ago that I, I definitely like came to the realization that I am a rainbow crayon in, in a box. And it's <laughs> not that. because it's not because I'm a queer woman. It's because mm-hmm. I am all of the colors and it lends mm-hmm. itself to being the crayon that not very many people know how to use. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it becomes muddy and people are like, ah, instead of just like lean in and learn, they will just chalk it up to something I don't understand. And then mm-hmm. putting it into a box of like non-accepting or, mm-hmm. and they're not even open to seeing the beauty that is really there. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you're right. Like there is there are so many paths and these societal norms that have been created. Um, gosh, I can go down on a hard tangent on this if you'd like me to, but like, <laughs> um, really, I, I, you know, it's like, I, I'm just gonna, I'm going to do it. So I'm, I'm reading a book called how we show up by Mia Birdsong. And it's amazing. I'm literally like 50 pages in and I'm obsessed. I've cried multiple times of joy. You know, like it's, I just like, Oh yes, this woman. So she, she says in there that just, it's just like, it, it's just like, Oh, so much. Yes. That the American dream, which is mm-hmm. like some sort of all these directed paths with, yeah. you know, that we're supposed to, we quote unquote, we are supposed yeah. to follow is really white supremacy culture bound up with capitalism and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow or fit in any of those boxes or walk down any of those paths, you are, are, I mean, you don't, it doesn't work for you. So the normal, the normal life you're, you're set up for failure and that's a fucked up system. That's a system that's begging for like redesign and for change. Mm-hmm. Well, and just so everybody is not, because I, I almost guarantee you people are going to feel a little triggered like that, especially yeah, somebody, sure. <laughs> you know, that, that like me is like, is like the, the white American male. Right. But mm. Even with Shauna saying like white supremacy, uh, capitalism and the patriarchy, mm-hmm. that includes suppression of 
a, a white American male too, because yeah. of men that are trying to get out of a system and they don't feel right about who they are. And they feel like they don't know how to treat women better because they were taught like shit. And that includes us, you know, Definitely. so there, there's people that will follow suit, you know, these few paths and they're going to be miserable. They're going to, they're going to act unfairly to other people. They're going to be misogynistic to women or whatever. But for the most part, if, if you're somebody that, that, that believes in, uh, it believes in progression and acceptance and like understanding compassion and love and all this stuff there, that system would also be suppressing you as that white American male. So if you feel a little triggered just because you're white or you're an American or that you're male or that you're all three, which happens to be me taking consideration that the, the suppression would also include you into that system. It definitely does. And I, I, um, at the end of last year, I read a book called Toxic Parents. And one of the things, there were many stories in there by men of, of like all kinds of men, mm -hmm. but there was an overarching uh, theme around like men being abused, whether emotionally or physically by their parents, yeah. whether, whether mom or dad, or, and, you know, it was a very heteronormative book. It was written mm -hmm. quite a while ago, but, um, but it was like these these stereotypical men were not able to genuinely become like their most full selves, which ended up limiting them in their jobs, in their intimate partnerships, their in, in their in their parenting styles. Mm -hmm. Like they literally could not get, they could not feel the, their full in their fullest self. They could, they were so limited by the this like lens that their that their parents placed on them, that mm -hmm. society placed on their parents, this like ancestral, like trauma that's been just been like laden over this over centuries, like that's been built into us and in mm -hmm. our DNA and our culture. You know, and that's, I mean, we're not going to make this, uh, about my work, but that's, that's <laughs> where, that's where I try to take men the most of the time is realizing mm -hmm. that there's something outside of, the the pain that they're experiencing because that pain is not supposed to be there like you are you're capable of being a lot more than what the world expects you to be or what you assume the world expects you to be you mm -hmm. know or whatever direction it's trying to take you and so it's something that i also try to get men to see so um shauna tell people tell people who you are now because you do a whole lot of different things right and you're and you're so colorful and i want people to understand um, what it was that that suppression built into, or, you know, that, that you challenged, you know, that suppression that you challenged, um, and, and where that kind of, where it took you. But I guess what I'm trying to say is what you recognized as the problem and, 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 um, what got you through it? Because you do so many things now, as far as career, as far as hobby, um, can you tell people who you are a little bit and who are like what you do and, um, how you got to be, that person? Sure. Um, let's see the, the short story. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> is it so ever short? I, no, never. That's never okay. Is. That's okay. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I am a proud bisexual woman of this world. Um, my pronouns are she, her should probably start with that. <laughs> oh, you're totally okay. I, um, I, sh I have, I've lived from coast to coast. Um, really, um, I've, I like, I don't, I hate the word settle down, but I call Southern California my home now for the past six and a half years. And I really, what led me on that path, um, 
it all kind of started back. I went to art school and I know that that just seems so cliche, whatever, like, oh, this person like went this rainbow colorful (laughs) person went to art school, but I really wanted to do something that was different. I wanted to do something that was uniquely mine. And every, and in my family, you followed the male footsteps of, you know, taking over the family business. And that's not something I was, I gave a shit to do. I didn't want to do it. I didn't care about it. I was like, so I'm going to do something for myself. And actually everyone in my family is very supportive of it, which was amazing. Um, So, you know, like, because of that, I, I lived from coast to coast in the United States, which is amazing. And I feel very, very grateful for that, all of those experiences. And And, you know, for me now, like, really, it's like, career wise, I really made it my life's mission to elevate humans for over 15 years, I've really put a focus on women and members of the LGBTQ plus community. I've, I've, you know, offer services for entrepreneurs and small businesses. I, you know, as, as a, as a professional, I'm an empowerment coach. So I, I, I offer empowerment coaching and creative consulting. So I really work with small businesses and entrepreneurs that are looking to get their feet off the ground, get pivot in their business, you know, become their more, um, most authentic selves and get mm-hmm. it, get out of some sort of get out of their own way effectively and figure out where their superpowers lie. And that's really amazing. And then um, as well as, so what I went to school for was photography, my BFA is in photography. And so I actually offer that as well. So sometimes I travel to do that right now. I'm not doing a whole lot of traveling, but you know, um, there was a time and, uh, but I, but I do still do a lot of portrait, um, lifestyle headshot photography sessions, uh, for my SoCal friends. And that's amazing because people can really embody that. It's just like another layer of embodying yourself and your truest expression of yourself. And, um, I also, am a yoga and meditation teacher and I incorporate these practices, uh, into the work I do with my clients, because honestly, if you can't take that time to sit down and be quiet, how are you going to find your true self? So for me, and, and, and I literally went to teaching meditation because I am so fiery. And so even though I'm an earth sign astrologically, I am so like, like off the ground in the clouds, you know, like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm like a big energy. I'm a fire energy despite being an, supposed to be, so to speak, a grounded earth sign. Yes, so yes. It, it's just, it, so for me, and then that is something I'm really inspired by too, because honestly, like the things that go on with the planets and the stars, like it's so parallel and I feel it, everybody sees it, it, it happens all the time. So that's something I'm inspired by too. Some people think it's woo-woo, I like it, it is what it is. <laughs> well, I, 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 tried, I try to bring um, s- some clarity to the woo-woo. You know, I'm, I'll mention it every once in a while and be like, okay, this is kind of what, it's kind of what we're going for, but you know, this idea of being grounded, I think people get too worried about what that means. Right. I think people are, are almost, uh, afraid of spirituality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to, to be grounded it for me anyways, uh, you know, we all might define this a little bit differently, but you know, our minds are so on all the time you know, it, it, it's, it's so unnatural for us to live in a world that is so fast paced just in the last, you know, couple, couple decades, you know, like everything has become so amazingly fast, you know, think mm-hmm. about the last hundred years, it, it was, it was so much slower, you know, and it, it's almost like we, we need this idea of presence a lot more. We have to be able to slow down. We have to be able to feel ourselves. We have to be able to understand our, our surrounding and surroundings and just get away from the mess of our thoughts and, you know, progress and, you know, the bad things that we've been through and what we have to avoid and, 
you know, all these things. And that's kind of how I see grounding at least as like coming in touch with yourself and like being present, mm -hmm. I, I guess. Um, I, first of all, let's not get to get too carried away with that. Like, <laughs> how would you hack my definition? <laughs> Does that sound okay? Yeah, no, totally. And, and if you like, think about it in a really like easy way for people to digest mm -hmm. that whole like silly, like if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, but like, let's take that and break that down. Like, like mama is happy because she is able to step away from the noise, like to step away. Like we are in, I was listening to a podcast with Laverne Cox and Brene Brown last night, and they were talking about how they're like the, essentially the triggering that we are exposed to, like the things that happen to us in our daily lives because of social media, because mm -hmm. of the way our fast paced culture, we are living in a state of like fight, flight, freeze, or fawn more than we ever should be. Like that's something that's supposed to happen to us a few times in our whole lives. Yeah. And some of us are going through that multiple times a day or even operating in that space. So how the hell are we even supposed to see what's in front of us mm -hmm. to even like, Hey, human over there, I want to see you and not judge you from some sort of lens that I, mm -hmm. that has just been put on by somebody else's beliefs. I want to actually sit and from my, my actual throne, be in my actual seat that I created for myself that, mm -hmm. so mama is happy, right? Like what is even happy? You know, it's like, it's that feeling of coming back to yourself. If you can't come home to yourself, because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, now, you know, like they say, you, you are born alone and you die alone. Like mm -hmm. if you, at the end of the day, if you can't come home to yourself, if you don't even take that space in your life to come home to yourself, how can you be a full and how can you live a full embodied life really? Mm -hmm. And then so many people miss out on that opportunity and fuck, I missed, I mean, I like, I have to step back all the time. Fortunately, I've taken enough, I've practiced enough that I'm a very aware if something comes up, I can feel it in my body. Like literally like, Oh, that doesn't sit well with me. Why is that? What does that remind me of? What is that? What is that? You know, where do I need to, where do I need to look deeper here? How do I, how do I step away from this situation? Or I like what I'm feeling here. How do I lean into it further without immediately moving to the next thing? So mm -hmm. it's like finding that balance in your life. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, so I think, yes, your, your basic touch on like what grounding is, but literally it is just coming home to yourself. Mm -hmm. I know that seems really hard for some people to wrap their brain around. They're like, whatever, I'm home right now, but no, yeah. you're not like you're, you're, you've got your kids running around, you're making dinner, like mm -hmm. you're like, or, or you're, you're jogging and there's a million things happening and you're listening to a podcast while jogging, you know, be still. That's how you're, you know, like take a minute, yeah. remove all that shit, you know? So I get it. I do it too. I literally listen to a podcast while cooking last night. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we, but we, but we get put in a place where, I mean, so if you live a life only experiencing one thing and, and that one thing happens to be fight, flight, or freeze, um, then, then how would you know any different? Right. Yeah. So I, I, I can understand why people, number one, wouldn't understand it. And number two would be super resistant to it because they don't know what that feels like. And I'm not saying I'm the best at it. You know, I, I think it's, it's a constant practice of, of yes. trying to, 
to have that presence and to be grounded and understand what the fuck that means actually, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I feel for a lot of people because it's just not a position that a lot of us get the chance to even be in, you know? Um, And it takes real work and practice to, to, to get into that space, you know, and not everybody has to be a monk to do it. You know, that's the crazy part. Yeah. Natural state that we're supposed to experience. 100%. They say just taking five minutes a day can literally change your entire trajectory of your day. Mm -hmm. Like just stop for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's like also the brilliance in like react versus response, like literally just take a moment. Am I responding through, from some sort of conditioning? Am I responding Mm -hmm. through some sort of past lens? Do I literally still, do I still view the world through this lens? This, did I create this lens? Like, Mm -hmm. or was it put on for me and I just never had the wherewithal or give a fuckery to take it off? Yeah. And I think people are very unaware of that question. Mm-hmm. Like how often do they question themselves? How, how often do they question what they're, what they're already into, you know, and that, oh God, that's the basis of the podcast right there is, is like question the fuck out of yourself, like on everything, because you may have to do it. You may have to question yourself a hundred times before you start to think maybe this isn't right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so Shauna, I wonder whenever you said the lens thing, that kind of, that kind of clicked for me then. So did you have did you have kickback for like from yourself when you were starting to become this authentic version of you when, when you like, so like when you figured out that you were queer, which I didn't, we, I don't think we talked about when that actually happened, but like when you figured out that, when you figured out, uh, you know, this, this mission to elevate other people, um, and to be a creator, did you have any kickback? you know, from yourself, like saying, Mm. well, no, this shouldn't be right. Or like people have told me no, or, you know, definitely. I definitely did. So, um, a couple, so two parts. So the first part about my, like my, my sexuality for Mm. me, I feel very lucky that I never, even though I grew up, like, like was born in the Midwest and Mm. I grew up, like I spent half of my time in like the, on the East coast in the, in the, in Florida. And then the other part of my growing up years, like in, um, the St. Louis area and, um, in actually right outside in Illinois. Um, I, even though ideally growing up in like an Irish Italian Catholic family, one would think that I might have, and, and in kind of like a small town, quote unquote, you know, one would think that I would be, um, conditioned to feeling that I couldn't be, couldn't be like love, love anyone I wanted, but I don't know why. I think I just grew up. I I think I was really lucky because my dad and my mom both had a lot of gay friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was really, um, exposed, I guess what you could say, or like, you know, um, uh, presented with that, the the different varieties of love at a Mm -hmm. young age, despite like being in the Catholic church for my youth. And, um, and that was, I think that was a real blessing and, you know, without a better way to put it. So for Mm -hmm. me, I never was worried about it. And, um, I have kind of a, a couple of hilarious like bits about my coming out, like, and it was, I, 
back when Facebook was like, you know, just for college kids, I remember, (laughs) but then like, but then like our parents started getting on there Mm -hmm. eventually. I remember marking, like they had an option, like interested in men, women, or both. And I put both. And I remember my mom like thumbs up it. And I was like, I think I just came (laughs) out to my mom. (laughs) And then zoom forward, like literally five years ago, Mm I, um, I ended up like getting into a really serious relationship with somebody, um, a queer person. And like, I had been in relationship, but she just never, I never really shared it with like my family. I was living, you know, I was away from home. And so it didn't really matter. And so, uh, so I remember being so nervous about telling my mom and then she just knew, like, she already was like, Oh, you mean that person that you've been posting photos with? Like, I was like, yeah, she's like, Oh, whatever. Like, I was like, I was freaking out. I was so nervous. And then, um, you know, I ended up telling my dad too, like a little bit later and he, my parents are, aren't married. And so I, uh, now, and so I, I told him and he was just like, Oh, okay. You know, like it was like no big deal. And I made it up to be some crazy big deal. Cause I was a, an adult person coming out, like, which mm-hmm. I, I felt like I had already done cause all my friends knew. So it was just like the logistics of it. And yeah. then, um, yeah. So that was just kind of random, like that whole thing. And I was like, that was easy to me. And I never felt like I never felt worried about it. I never felt, um, I always just felt completely like safe in that for some reason. And I, and I'm very grateful because I know that that's very far from everyone else, like, or not everyone else's from many oh, people's experiences. And so, um, I do feel very, very grateful for that. And then, um, what was this? I forget the second part of the question again. Well, you, you know, there's, um, there's, there's that, which, you know, it's good to know that, that you had more of an ability to be em- embraced by that, but it also took you to, to the work that you do. Right. And have you, ha- that was the other thing is like, did you have any problems being, being, becoming some sort of creative or working with the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community? I don't know. Man. Rough time today. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, did that, I guess I'm where, what I'm trying to find is the, the tackling of that mindset, you know, mm-hmm. to, to go against what your mind is telling you to question it, you know, what it is that, that your mind was, is telling you about things. Where did you have the biggest struggle? Mm, oh yeah. Okay. So I remember that. So, um, for me, there was definitely those little things and they still come up there. I am, it is you, like you said before, it is a practice. It is, this is not something you just, you know, don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of things I've practiced. Mm -hmm. So they come very naturally now, but there's Mm -hmm. still things you never get. It's like, people always think you get there, right? Well, where the hell is there? So you're always, there's always another there. So Mm -hmm. yes, you have all these practices and you continue to work through them, but there's always going to be another little thing that you're, you know, whether a blind spot, a something, something somewhere. So, um, for me, I definitely, you know, I've gone through the fears of what if I don't follow some sort of heteronormative, like American dreams style of life? What if I don't buy a house? What if I don't have some sort of typical marriage? What if I don't have a 401k or what, you know, like, what if I don't have all of those normal quote unquote, normal bullshit things Mm -hmm. that are that equal equal a happy life. Mm -hmm. And so those things, because there's almost no avoiding them commercials. Like, like I don't even watch TV, but like even like internet commercials, like podcast commercials, all these things, they, 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 they get into our heads and they make us think even gosh. And especially one of the things that 
like women, no matter like, like all women, all, all identities of women can like the, the body shaming, that thing Mm -hmm. is like a real, real thing that our culture puts instills. Like a woman's body should look like X, Y, or Z, like Mm -hmm. fuck that. And so like, if you ever want a really brilliant book to read about body and like liberation is called the body is not an apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. She is amazing. And she is like, will teach you a lot about getting over that, but it's something that we literally as a culture if you literally listen to any media, if you, if you watch anything, if there's an ad on your Facebook page, like there is going to be something that pulls on your not enoughness Mm -hmm. that's still in there somewhere. And so for me, really being in that power of like understanding that every time I step more fully into my truth and more fully down, walk more fully down my own path, the universe literally, and like, and you can call it whatever you want, the universe, spirit, God, whatever, like it's all the same, you you know, listens. And, and, and so for me being an empowerment coach, I really wanted to be able, and I want to literally continue wanting to be able to allow people to find their own path and their own truth and, and like rip off that veil that somebody fucking put over your eyes and your mind at some point. And so it's, it's still a struggle, you know, it's still, I mean, gosh, like in the middle of a pandemic, you're like, okay, so maybe I should just go work at Trader Joe's because maybe this is hard, (laughs) you know, like, but I did, I never did it. And now I'm just like, I, I kept going and sticking to my truth and the universe just keeps giving like raining down that fuck yeah on me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, for me, be like, that's what I call myself as a coach, your fuck yeah friend. Like I, somebody asked me, <laughs> seriously, somebody asked me this the other day and it was actually a, 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 like a coaching client. She said to me, what made you want to become an empowerment coach? And I said, I wanted to be the person that I never had for somebody. Boom. And it's, and it's not that I didn't have cheerleaders, but also like mm-hmm. I, you know, like without without attachment. So like the the thing, uh, the brilliant thing about a coach is it's a a non-biased third party. It's not Mm -hmm. your, your red aunt Jill or like cool uncle John, or like your bestie who like, you know, fuck yeah as you it's, it's different, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's somebody that literally is non-biased who still is invested in you and your story and Mm -hmm. wants to see you win. No. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that it's, it's so important. Um, I, I've talked to others about this too, like therapy and counseling and coaching has become so crucial. It seems like these days, uh, because things are, things are so out of focus. Um, but what is it that you see holding people most, what do you see people holding back from the most? Like what's their biggest barrier that they seem mm. to, to seem to be holding on to? Because we live in this world of consumerism and stereotypes and you know this mess of stuff so when you work with your clients what what's like that big thing that sticks in their mind that it seems like they have the biggest trouble with or you know what's that wall have you have you found something in particular I really think that it's it's like this conditioning this conditioning that's been put out on the table that's been implanted into us that was not created for all of us but we're like some, somehow I feel like it's a bottleneck 
that we're all like the collective is trying to smush through and mm-hmm. the ones that don't fit correctly get lost and they don't make it. And it's, 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 it, it's set, it's set, like setting us up for failure, mm-hmm. the collective us. Cause as we started our conversation, even yeah, like, I'm like, I understand that there is a huge part of the population that is literally part of the problem and perpetuating the problem and not doing a damn thing to help make it better. Yeah. But also there's still nobody like if like if not everybody is winning, no one is really winning. Yeah. Like at the yeah. end of the day, it, it, you know, it, 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 at the end of the day. Right. Like mm-hmm. nobody's really winning if if not everybody is winning. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think it is. I think it's some sort of like people are stuck in some perception of what they think they're supposed to become, what they think that they're, they're supposed to be or how they're supposed to look or how they're supposed to act or Mm. how they're supposed to dress or who they're supposed to love or what, what type of love they're supposed to have, or just gosh, like I could keep going. Right. Like that. So would you say the bottleneck then is the common thread? The bottleneck is the common perception the one that keeps us away from being like thinking that we're unique, that, you know, keeps us from creating our, our own path, uh, that keeps us from being the diverse community that we're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are you only going to open one hallway, one path, one door? Like, why don't we, like, there should be lots of halls and doors and they Mm -hmm. should all be accessible and, and, there's even, there was a diagram I saw the other day that it was like, like trying to explain like equity and equality and things like that. And it was literally like, oh, well, cool. So here's a tree and let's put us both on the same size ladder and call that like equality. But in reality, when you look at the tree, one side has a lot of apples and the other one doesn't. So we're on the same size ladder, but what really should happen is to get to some sort of a balance system for a for a while, we're going to have to give somebody else or some other groups of people a taller ladder or move them to the other side of the tree or mm-hmm. bend the tree a little bit, or, you know, like, like find mm-hmm. so that the scales can eventually tip back to middle. It, like, I don't even, like they've never been in the middle. So like eventually, hopefully like get to the middle. Have some sort it, of Yes. Everything seems so out of balance, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like we like shouldn't have to fight so hard Mm-mm. to, to get, or to access something that is just handed to others. Mm-hmm. And, and I say we, as like in the queer community, but I totally acknowledge my privilege as a white woman that is cisgendered. And like, I, I 100% acknowledge that. And I like, like there's no denying my privilege period. And it's my job. It's your job because of our, the more privilege you have, the more work that you slash we need to do to help those that like each level away from your privilege or the more privilege you have. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Have, mm. have you noticed, um, that, uh, how am I going to question this? <laughs> <laughs> I overthink things quite a bit. Um, <laughs> So I think that there, there's like this major strength in questioning something as hardcore as your sexuality, right? It, it, you know, say that you come in a, in a family that's, that's pretty 
pretty common, you know, the white, whatever, straight family, whatever, right? Um, and you have to question your, your sexuality because you have some sort of feeling or emotion or, or, or whatever. I honestly think that was probably one of the most beneficial strengths anybody can have in creating strength for other things, if that makes sense. Right. So, so it seems like it's something that's so liberating for people that they are able to liberate themselves in so many other paths, because you take, you take a a straight 30 year old male that's been, you know, he's been like that his whole life. Right. You ask him a question of sexuality. What's he going to say? Like, like why the just, why the fuck would I do that? Like yeah, I, even I if like, you come like out girls, whatever. Yeah, you know, even if like, you come out straight I'm on the other gay. side. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I mean. Is like there's mm-hmm. so much, there's so much attack on on the fact that people are being questioned, and mm-hmm. you know I'm just taking sexuality because it's a super uncomfortable one, but I've legitimately questioned my own sexuality just to be sure, just to be sure in my own head, like where nobody else can you know, question what I'm doing. And it still felt uncomfortable. I was like, why, why am I even thinking about this? Like, this is, this is, this is so weird. Like I'm 33. Why would I even question myself? But it's your inner, it's your inner critic. That's what it is. It's something that's been, that that like is going to always be there and we have to be present to it. And then Mm -hmm. we decide, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like which direction we want to move through and into. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I can imagine it, a really beautiful response to that would be like, and it, and it's, it, it's silly. It's like, you know, instead of just it, it taking it as a personal attack, like, yeah, you know, some of my best friends are good looking guys. They're great men. They're really, they're really kind. Um, the, the, these women are really wonderful and, you know, I, and they're beautiful and they're smart and they're, and they're funny. And like, and actually everybody, all of my, all of my friends, all of my peers are funny and they're smart. And, and, and some of them are queer and some of them are straight and like, whatever I've, and, and then just say out loud, I've actually never experimented with another person that isn't like a, a, a like a straight woman. And honestly, you know, that they might not even know if the people they've experimented, experimented with were straight women, but, <laughs> but like I, in my experience, I know that I've only been with women and I've never, and I've honestly never experimented with a male, but I can, I feel in my heart, if I mm-hmm. sit with it long enough that I'm only sexually or physically attracted to women. And then that's it. You don't have to say like Ugh, all yeah. the negative things, like, right. You can sit with like, and, and I, and if, and if, being with other t- and a variety of people is really good for you. I'm really happy that you can find love in that way. And that that doesn't mean anything for me. Like that doesn't take away from my, my ability to access love. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It literally, I'm just grateful for you to be able to find love how you want to find love. Mm-hmm. If that, is that like a good interest, like a good way to put how you could turn that from like the attacking is into like a, into like a, um, an o- more open-minded worldview. I, I think so, because it seems like the inner critic is the thing that will cause you to be most dishonest with yourself mm-hmm. across the board for everything. Like it's going to criticize you into being whatever it is that, you know, your peers told you to be, your parents told you to be, your teachers told you to be, or society as a whole told you to be, the com- fucking commercials told you to be, because it seems mm-hmm. like commercials are, you know, raising kids more than. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Screens are, are, are raising kids more than parents, maybe. Um, 
<laughs> or it's starting to, to balance out a little bit. Anyways, not to judge anybody on the parenting because I'm not one, but you know what I mean? It's, it's like an inner critic has been created to tell you exactly what you're supposed to be. And it's, it's been created by everything outside of you, which doesn't make sense when you think about it, because you'll never be the you if you don't pay attention to you. It, does that make, that kind of make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. You know, I am like, there's, which I mean, I like, I've been doing a lot of studying uh, about like coming home to ourselves and finding ourselves, our most authentic selves. And really that's shutting off the voice. It's shutting off the voice and finding the, the space between the, our real selves, our grounded, authentic heart, centered selves Mm -hmm. and shining light in between that and, and the, the critic and the, the, our concepts that we've created about ourselves are the things that generations before us have created and put upon us. So it's like finding that, that middle shining light in the middle, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're, you are, you're never going to operate outside of it. And Mm -hmm. that is, that's, that's the things that people get stuck on when it comes to, you know, like that's been an issue that I've come up against, you know, in, in my bisexuality, you know, there is a lot of stuff like there, you know, some of my friends and I will talk about really shitty things that people can say to you. Like, you know, you start dating somebody of the same sex, you start dating somebody of the opposite sex, you start dating somebody that's non-binary, you, you know, and like people start just questioning, Oh, so you're gay now. Oh, so you're straight now. Mm. Like, Oh, so are you 50, 50? Like, first of all, fuck you. You're what, what I need to do with my life is none of your business. Mm -hmm. And, and even if I'm dating you, that doesn't matter. Like either, like, honestly, you are viewing my sexuality as a form of like, like you're looking at it through a lens of judgment and you're looking at it through a lens of misunderstanding and fear. Mm -hmm. And so the moment you start to look at people in life with those, that fear lens or that judgment lens, then you, you, you limit yourself and you inadvertently erase them. So it's like, there's a term called by erasure. And that is literally just assuming that if you date one person or one, one gender, you are no longer bisexual. And, or if you even marry somebody, you are no longer that. And that it literally just erases the existence. And in honesty, to me, that would erase my life. Like you telling me that now I'm married to, you know, a man, or now I'm married to a woman, or now I'm married to a straight or a trans person. Like now that takes away my life experience as a bi mm-hmm. woman from my past, mm-hmm. like, fuck no. And like, also don't tell me that I can't have that life and don't judge me for that life. You know, it's like, that's happened in my world. Mm -hmm. And, or the, if you even take it one another direction is the same as we were talking about asking a a straight man to question his sexuality and that like judgment is, is, um, and that automatic like defense is by shame. So people, gosh, I, so many women will be like, Oh, can't you just pick one? Or you just want to have everybody don't you? And like, or mm-hmm. you're slutty or, or whatever, like putting all of these terms on people that literally doesn't like is not reality. And they're mm-hmm. creating some sort of a fear lens based upon something they literally don't know anything about yep. and putting me and me and my like queer family 
down and making us shitty for having desires and literal feelings. And, and to be honest, I think if I can just be real crazy here for me to say that, like, for me, I identify as bisexual. So I'm just, let me give you a little bit of an education here. So, Let's hear it. you know, I love bisexuality is, is, yeah, I know for, and I tossed around it for a while too. I was like, what, what, what do I identify as? So bisexuality is a general and inclusive term that really encompasses everyone. And it doesn't mean that bi people are attracted to everyone, merely that bi people's attractions aren't limited by sex or gender. Okay. So there's also a term called pansexual. So it's an attraction to all genders or attraction regardless of gender. So bias is kind of like umbrella term and is really fluid, not restricted by the binary, despite mm -hmm. its name being bi. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like operating in that is me saying that I just love humans and that I may, may be attracted to like like people. And I, it, it doesn't mean I'm attracted to everybody. And to be honest, I'm probably even more mindful of who I do choose to be attracted to, or even give like enough energy to, because I don't want to be erased by them. I want to be, I want to be with a person that is accepting and interested and celebratory of who I am, as opposed mm -hmm. to just like, like, like I said, erasing who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, have you found like, what's the best part of working in the community that you do then? Because mm. it's something that not many, you know, not, not, not many other people are, are, are encompassed or, or engulfed in, I guess. So mm. like, what's the, what's the beautiful, strong things that you find with, with being who you are and being with other people that are as authentic as they are, like, what's the best part about that? I really think that, you know, for me, it's like really being able to burn down the judgments of others, helping mm -hmm. people burn down that and to remind them of their brilliance and really remind them that they have a flame inside them. They have everything they need, like literally like getting out of their own way. So I, I have a workshop coming up that I can tell you about later, but it was like, it's, it's called get out of your own way. <laughs> and so to me, it's like really that, like, really like moving past that inner critic, moving past like whatever they grew up or, or, you know, like being told or taught and being able to fully embody who they are now today. So literally choosing to live as their most authentic selves and, and support, like being somebody uh, like on, from my side, I can encourage that. I can encourage and support their living in this truth and in this power and like continually remembering to put the self-criticism and the external criticism, which is literally our, like, like our self-criticism is our, our worst critic, yeah. but it's built up by our, by societal conditioning and generational mm -hmm. traumas, societal portraits of the perfect human body type, love types, et cetera, and really finding a source of self-compassion and living in that and living and walking in that body and in that space every day, you know, be, and, and, and during this last year, it's been a little hard, like people, some of their identity is based upon how they express themselves, like how they dress or how they do their hair. And like all yeah. that shit was like taken from them. There's been a lot of folks that have been stuck in their like 
in situations where they've had to live in um, unsupported family environments and that fucking sucks, you know? So gosh, right now with like the, the healthcare and how it's, it's, it's hard to be a, so our culture has called humans like marginalized for a really long time, but there was um, Arlen Hamilton wrote a book and she spoke on how it's not, it's, it's called, it was, it's called, it's about damn time, by the way. So she talked about like not wanting to say marginalized because it literally puts the word being like less than Mm -hmm. and, and calling them underestimated folks. And so it's like, they have a power in them that people just haven't seen yet. And so I'm, it's for me as, as a coach, I really try to help people live into that power so that they no longer have to be like viewed as underestimated or, or even if they have, then they come back from behind swinging and then like, yeah. people are like, Oh shit. Like, Whoa, I never thought they could do that. Whatever. And then they're, you know, it's like, which is so stupid, but it is what it is. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but we all, we're all, I mean, it's the human condition, right? We all mm-hmm. are constantly trying to come up with reinvent and be, and live authentically in the best versions of ourselves. Well, hopefully we are. I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't, but like at the end of the day, we all like, we're always like, there's the not enoughness and the, how do we get past it and how do we work through it? And that what's that practice? What does that look like? Yeah. And that, that, that not enoughness seems to be pretty fucking prominent yeah. to be honest, you yeah. know, and, and whatever that's built from, it seems to just kind of, be beaten down what i see happen a lot is or at least is this kind of in, is in the realms of men you know when men feel uncomfortable they'll attack whatever is indifferent mm. right so so if one male has you know has an idea or has you know a kind of a, a vulnerable thought whether it be something about himself you know his emotions or something that he wants or anything if that makes other males feel uncomfortable, they'll attack that as a pack almost and kind of beat down that idea. So it's like, even when you have this inner critic, like what you were saying, it's almost complemented by the external, you know, whether people or, or whatever. And the psychological mind fuck that we're in the middle of right now, mm-hmm. you know, to keep people consistently on the same path, basically a flock of sheep inside of a goddamn fence you know mm-hmm. it um it seems to be restricting us a lot the do you work with do you work with straight women too i do i do so so i'm curious from the male perspective what are the things that get in the way and maybe it's the same uh for lgbtq too um but there's so much i don't understand about the male or the female point of view and like what they deal with the most what are the things that women deal with the most that are really stopping them from their empowerment, from their authenticity? Mm. Well, um, you know, in general, I think into, like, I would say that I I don't, I don't want to say that I'm making a general assumption. I I, I just lived the life and seen it, but, you know, if you just take something very basic, like going shopping or like going to the grocery store, something Mm -hmm. very, very basic and simple. Many, like most men I know will get their ass up off the couch, grab their keys, grab their wallet, go to the store. That's it. Like whatever they look like, whatever they're wearing, they might not have (laughs) given a shit. Like, right. They don't confidence. Right. Right. Sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> sure it is, Zach. Mm-hmm. Sure. Confidence. Where did that confidence come from? Where did, was it ingrained by, into them from? Where, how did they learn that confidence? It's true. So, and then just in the same exact story, literally, I was raised by this in this culture. Mm-hmm. I, and I, and because this is the, this is the female side of it. Many women I know, or many women out there in the world. Luckily, mm-hmm. I know a lot more women now that also don't give a fucking fuck. Like, I mean, there's been days that I've walked out of the house. I'm like, I'm wearing pants, right? Good. Okay, good. I'm wearing pants. You know, I mean, this year has been a very different year. But, you know, <laughs> like, got it. Okay, cool. Looking down. I'm, I'm all set. Okay. But, you know, there was a, it took me years to, to wrap my brain around, like, it's okay to not have to do this. But like, this, I mean, God, I could tell you so many stories about this, but one, like, this is a very basic example. Most women will at the very least change their clothes perhaps, or put on makeup or touch their hair up or put on perfume or, you know, something to make them more than they are to like whatever, more than they are just, just as, as they woke up that morning. Yeah. So whatever that's for, like whatever they've created, whatever's been conditioned in their heads, what is that for? So, you know, it's, I mean, that's just a very clear example. Like I Mm -hmm. grew up with women that would not go to the store, drop me off at school without their face on and stuff like that. I've had people tell me stories and I've actually had friends like this too. They go to bed, they wash their face before they go to bed and then they put on their bed makeup. Or like they won't let their partners see them without their makeup. That's like ingrained in different cultures. It really is. It's like, you don't get to see me without my face on. That's like a real Mm -hmm. thing. And so that just one thing, like just like, like that appearances, that thing is just, that's just one little aspect of the female perspective. Cause God forbid a man like thinks we're unattractive or we are less than, or we are not enough, like, or we are found like, you know, whatever, I don't know. Like we are looked down upon. It's like some dude in like a stained t-shirt and basketball shorts looks at us in our yoga clothes that we just came from class in and I, and we're kind of sweaty and like, don't judge me, you, you know, but like they do, like it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And so looking further to that is I think about the whole, like, I've never seen a hashtag men empowering men. I've never seen like a, you know, a hashtag that says something like lifting up bros, lift each other up or whatever. But like, and I, and I, when I look at, if I can look at like the visual in my mind of men to women as like a success diagram, if, if there's men, men are standing on the shoulders and heads and necks of other fucking people to get to the top. And women, for the most part, take like white supremacy and like shit out of the equation. For the most part, like women support women. Women are standing on the hands of other women and pushing each other up. And like, it's a more of a, like an uplifting journey <laughs> as opposed to a, like uh, every man for themselves, I'm going to make it to the top by myself. And I don't care who I push down on the way up. Mm-hmm. And that's how I perceive it as a woman and how I've seen it. And I've, and being somebody who's worked as an independent person and worked in like office corporate culture, I've seen it from multiple sides, like 
why why is it okay for the men to drink at lunch and the and like the, it's not for the women like why you know why are there these standards mm-hmm. you know and it's like oh and if a woman has a drink at lunch she must be loose i've sound, I sound like my mom like, whatever right but it's true so it's like you know it's just i mean gosh the madman culture like if you've ever watched that show it's just that like 60s advertising lifestyle men smoke in their office and have drinks with coffee and the women all tend to them and they all look perfect and you know it's okay if the guys grab their butts like they're lucky to be there having a job and not in the home with a baby you mm-hmm. know and yeah so that was kind of long-winded but that's how I kind of feel about it <laughs> no it, it 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 definitely shows where things have have gone wrong because in in my vision um healthy men are actually pretty, pretty similar to, to what you were saying. It was like supporting other men and, and like showing them up. And I've talked about men burning down empires and, and using other people to get where they want to go. And it seems like it's been, it's been this idea that men go solo, that, that, that they can do anything on their own and they should do everything emotionless and still and stoic and it's money and status and blah, 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 all, all the things that, you can have and you can have money and success in your life, but when it's all that there is, you're a superficial shell. Like, like you're not much of anything. And some, so it's something what I'm trying to get across to men is that if you learn to love yourself, that you will love other men, that you will love women, and you will do it more equally, and you will have compassion, you will have understanding, and you will have all these beautiful things that it, that it takes to be a human, not a man. A human, because mm-hmm. that's the kind of stacking that I think the last, you, you know, the, the, the war after through, you know, the industrial age and the wars and, you know, all the, the commercialism um, has built this idea of what men are supposed to be. And it's very careless. It's very, uh, it, it comes to almost be expectant of men to, to only take care of themselves which I'm trying to replace that idea with take care of yourself so you can take care of others kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's like, I can, I can be like, okay, well, I didn't shave and I kind of look kind of scruffy, but nah, fuck it, I'll just walk out, you know? And mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is that huge difference between, between men and women? Like, it's almost, uh, something's told women that, that they're not accepted for who they are until, unless they always look their best, maybe something. Oh like yeah. That. They, there's been, there's been studies shown and I'm, this is not like any, like, this isn't science. Like I'm not going to give any specific scientific data, but from what I, I remember reading at one point in my life, something about women will, will go broke before they're like, before they allow themselves to be ugly. So if they would, they'd rather, they'd rather not spend money on food. They would spend money on something to continue their, their, their beauty or something like that. It's like effectively like women will be, will be like broke before they're ugly. You know what I mean? Like they won't, they won't allow themselves. And, you know, and I, that is some sort, I mean, that is just some antiquated nonsense that was built in from yesteryear that, but people still operate through that. Like, you know, the Stepford wives and things like that, like things that 
like women were made to, to be seen and not heard, you know, mm-hmm. right? Like they were, they were, they're supposed the men do the talking, the men run the show. And that's, I think that's where it like, it's built up through the years, but mm-hmm. our world started, like if you dig way deeper, like matriarchies were actually big in the back in, you know, back in the, in very, very long times ago, you know? And I, it's like, I don't, my friend who studies a lot of culture and religion, and she was talking to me about it the other day, like society men would go out and hunt but the women ran the home the women ran the society mm-hmm. and at some point oh over the years that shifted and it's just never never found a balance point in the middle mm-hmm. and and they say you know like one of the reasons like humans don't have a natural innate ability as like a normal like like non mentally debilitated human like we don't have a natural ability to like kill or harm others it's the moment we take away humanness from people so by turning people into animals or turning people into property objects you Brene Brown said I'll never use the word bitch again because most of the time in relationship if a if a male has committed a murder um the last thing they'll say it's been studied apparently and and I don't know how they studied it and I just couldn't but I was like whoa the last thing they'll say before like they kill her is they'll call her a bitch and I was like whoa like they take away her humanness and so that's the thing it's like our to in order to commit a crime against a human you have to take away their humanness ah and, that's and, and that's, crazy. that's, that is. And then, so that's, that's, and, but the, that's a, that's a different side of the same coin. If we see giving, like, if we all just closed our eyes, I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, there was this exhibit that happened. I, don't, I think it was like in New York or something, but it was, it was beautiful because they had people walking up and it would show you an x-ray. And so you didn't know what color their skin was. You didn't know their oh. age. You didn't know their gender. You didn't know anything about them. You didn't know their race, ethnicity, any of it. And all you could see was skeletons. And it was a really beautiful, beautiful a metaphor for humans and love is love and just like whatever it is, like we are all at the end of it, like bones and breath. And so it's like, if we all just closed our eyes, walking through the world with, oh, it's, you know, and just operated in an, oh, excuse me, or here, let me help you with that. How can we all just get on the same path and playing field and, it, it that it that's what like close your fucking eyes and just treat everyone in front of you like your life depended on it and as did theirs mm-hmm. and god one of my teachers said something that was so brilliant and i actually wrote it down so i'm gonna i'm gonna, I, I'm gonna tell it to you uh uh, i know i was so i was so excited to share it with you and now i like of course i lost it hold on <laughs> um this is one of the things that you can break out okay so they so he said you are the most important person in the universe but no more important than the person standing next to you not hit whoa yeah that's a good one right that's pretty good i like that yeah And that means they're the most important person as is the person standing next to them too. But no more, you know, no one is greater than, but we are all just as important. 
Yeah. So it, it kind of leaves it with like this inability to, to take away from anybody because, mm-hmm. you know, it'll always be that person next to you. That's more, that's, that's the most important person. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I, so, I agree. So um, something that I kind of wanted to get your opinion on was, which I mean, I guess we're kind of at that point too, is what do you think is the thing that is going to be an antidote to, to some of the mess? Like what can we do all together to actually create a, a, a stronger future and like build strength in each other, build strength in our community, build strength in our diversity. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, gosh, well, you know, this takes me to your, the whole like theme of your podcast. Like, what does it mean to be rebel minded? And okay. the thing is, you know, so many folks, and I, and I, and I'm saying this now because I think this is, this is a really important piece. So it's like so many folks say to live quote unquote outside of the box to mean like stepping out of cultural and societal norms, but I want to take it a a step further. Yeah. So to dare to live and embody your own entity, your own, whatever shape that takes and allowing it to be fluid and to see others and their uniquely special and fluid selves, not as competition or as different, but as a perfect puzzle piece that fits next to mine and next to yours, no matter how much they shape shift, no matter how much space they take up or, or don't take up, but it's an equally important piece that will, that the puzzle cannot be complete without. And honestly, I think it's being able to zoom back and say that, and it, and it, and it goes right back to that. You are the most important person in the universe, but no more important than the person standing next to you. Damn. God, that sounds amazing too. I love the way you put that. I mean, I feel like you, you answered the last question. Um, I know. <laughs> what does it feel like to be rebel-minded? Um, so, but I think, I think you a- attacked it before I could even ask it. <laughs> I felt like it was the next most important thing because it, it went in alignment with what I was, with what we were already saying. Like, I do yeah. think that that is really like one of the most important things we could do. We can step back and say that like, you know, living your most authentic self and really like Mm -hmm. embodying and learning like, you know, to, you know, realize that you were, you, you were put on this planet and in this body with this breath to do more than just like work and die, you know? So like do do something with your life that, that makes a difference, you know? read books and listen to stories about like and about and from people that are different from you start to begin to break down those barriers and blind spots Mm -hmm. like that is how you get to that place that I mentioned so I may have jumped the gun there but like that's I think those are some of the baby steps to Mm -hmm. getting there go talk to somebody that looks different than you go talk to somebody that speaks a different language than you like, figure it out. It's easy. We have phones and apps and typing and shit. Like go figure it out. Like look, talk to somebody in a different culture than you like give a shit enough with, and, and take your, take your fucking glasses off. Like take your, take your foggy glasses off and put mm-hmm. your like, lo- like looking glasses on, you know, mm-hmm. your listening ears on and not without like a, the judgment, without the need to respond all the time, just fucking listen. That was passionate. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's true. I was gonna I like. Did. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna interrupt that one. <laughs> okay. So 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 because you you beat me to the punch here, let me ask you this: for for anybody else out there that is looking for some sort of relativity, um, because hopefully they found some sort of relativity in your story. What has been the hardest fucking thing, the most challenging thing for you to question in your life that keeps you from being the person that you've always wanted to be? Oh, I, you know, um, do I like, do I have the strength to keep pushing through? Do I have the strength to keep standing up for myself, for my brothers and sisters, and to continue to empathize? and see them for where they are in their lives and know that I do have the strength and finding like, like knowing that. And I just told this to my partner the other day, I said, you might be the guinea pig in this, in this life, because in this, you know, at this, at this juncture in our lives, fingers fucking crossed, we're able to see the change and we are seeing change, but you know, like really long lasting, sustainable change and like real equality and equity and inclusion and, and diversity in the, in the world and more paths and equal paths and all the things like, but we have, like, we are part of the hard work right now. Mm-hmm. And so I was saying to them, I was like, you know, you might have to be the Guinea pig, but the good news is that like, and as hard as that is, and like, it hurts you, it hurts me, it hurts all of us to have to feel this kind of way, but, and not even just, but it like more like, and because you are the guinea pig or you are maybe the first to have to go through it in this organization, even like, like this was literally like a, 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 like a, something that they were experiencing professionally. So it was like in this organization, it's like, are because you're experiencing it, it's going to open up the path for others to hopefully be able to walk in their truth and less and less people will have to experience it. So we are just, and we are like, we are, we are taking on without even having being the, being procreators, baby makers, we don't have to be a baby, baby maker in order to shift and change generational traumas. You, even as a person who is an, somebody who is an aunt or an uncle, somebody that has friends with kids, somebody has, exactly, exactly. So it's like anybody that is a coach to kids, anybody, like any, anybody that has friends with kids that you don't even see the kids, like no matter what you are going, if you are doing your part to create lasting change and then you are changing the energy of the world. You are literally changing. And, and I'm a very firm believer in energy. And if like people think that I'm crazy, like, okay, like take it, just take it out of your physics class and realize that energy is real and it doesn't just exist in, you know, like in ninth grade or 12th grade, you know, like (laughs) box and at four walls and a window and like grades. Right. So this is real. And negative energy is heavier than positive energy. And so we have to do our damnedest. And I'm not not like, like preaching toxic positivity or anything. But what I mean is there's, if there's more affirmation towards people 
like acknowledging people in their truths and living, living to be their fullest, most embodied, authentic selves without constantly having to be reminded that there's a bunch of people out there that hate them, mm-hmm. you know, like, God, I could, we could, we could spend the next hour talking about that. That is something that like, that really, that it's just like, if you can keep going every single day, knowing that people are out there that don't understand you, but you want to help create long lasting change and, and help educate them while they're screaming in your face, while they have tear gas in your face, while they have a fucking gun to your face. I mean, that's authentic. And I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to be on the front lines and like to do, you know, you don't, I'm not saying you have to go like stand and protest. You don't have to do that, but those are extremes that people are really doing, you know, that's real and happening in our world all the time right now. And the bravery for people to show the fuck up is really going to create change. And that is a barrier is, is a barrier and something that gets in the way of getting up every day and keeping going, but it's also a fucking flame. Yeah. And it, you know, the more, the thing that I was thinking, as you're saying that is like, it doesn't matter at what level, as long as you're, you're trying to make some sort of change, you're helping the system. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're always going to have to do more. Like every, anything we do, we could always do more of, we could always do better. We can always Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. Like, so just keep doing things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and and at the end of the day, coming back to yourself, coming back to who you are and walking in that truth and not putting it away for people, not like, why the fuck should I make you more comfortable so that which makes me uncomfortable. Like, why should I cater to your comfortability, comfortability when you don't, you won't do that for me. So it's like, that's just, that's just an unfair ask in this Mm -hmm. world. And, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest parts Shauna is I want people to have an idea of where you got your own influence. So are there things oh, that you, <laughs> I, I can, you're already excited. Uh, where would you direct people or, you know, towards uh, things that have influenced you? So, so books, influencers, um, mm-hmm. habits and actions, like you, you talked a lot about yoga. Um, and this, and then I also know that you want to uh, mention a workshop that you have. That you have oh about, yeah. So. Uh, so for me, you know, like, I kind of have mentioned a few before, you know, mm-hmm. some of my most recommended books, some of my, in the last like year that I've read that I'm just like obsessed with. And they're, they're all written by uh, people that don't either don't look like me or that are like me. So that's also very empowering to read mm-hmm. books by queer women or women that are breaking societal norms or people that are trying to shine a light despite their own hardships, despite their mm-hmm. own, like underestimated qualities. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, the body's not an apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, daring greatly by Brene Brown, all Brene oh, Brown are fantastic. Like, like go listen to her podcast, go listen to Laverne Cox's podcast. I literally just started her podcast and I'm obsessed with it. She is an incredible, incredible woman. Um, the ethical slut by Hardy Neeson. I'm actually reading that right now. Um, that'll teach you, even if you don't practice, um, a non-monogamous lifestyle, it'll teach you a lot about love and intimacy which at the end of the day, like we need more love. So, uh, Agreed. that, that's a, that's a wonderful book. Um, untamed by Glennon Doyle. Like I, at first was a little, I was like, I felt like 
people like were going to judge me for reading that. I fucking love that book. I'm so obsessed with it. She's amazing. <laughs> and I will tell everybody about it all now. Um, so uh, the book, It's About Damn Time by Arlen Hamilton. She is amazing. Um, so yeah, like really, and as far as like influencers and like, you know, like, you know, accounts and stuff and social media and stuff like that for me, really just like going back to, oh, you know, like, I mean, gosh, a million, actually I could, I could speak on a couple more, like how to be an anti-racist by Abram Kendi. Um, how, you know, like, like I got, I read Born a Crime by Trevor Noah this last year. I mean, I just, I've read so many different books. Like if you're into astrology, read, read Queer Cosmos as opposed to just a regular astrology book by Colin Bedell, like learn about things that are different than what you think is normal in mm-hmm. your world and see it through the lens of somebody else. And so all of those people have social media accounts. All of them tell stories from their perspective. And honestly, like, yes, like sometimes we just want to see like puppies and like funny things on our Instagram, but like maybe go follow some people that are different than you that, you know, can inspire you to learn something, to see something from a different perspective or to see like, oh my God, they're literally not any different than I am. Like at all, actually like, wow, like why the fuck have I been walking behind this other like mass of sheep? Like, get me out of this lane. I want to go into that lane. I want to go into this other cool lane. Like the rainbow lane looks way more fun over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we, we say like, you know, you can be an ally, you can be a comrade, you can be an accomplice of, of like, of the queer and the, and the BIPOC community. Like, don't just be our friend, like advocate for us. Like, so, so and, and doing that is like, buying buying our books hiring us like uh, to be your coach like like sharing our social media like you know stuff like that so that's that's really like literally lifting people up with your palms and saying that I'm not going to lose anything I by raising these people up I'm gonna actually probably become better and more empowered and honestly since I became an empowerment coach I feel more empowered like people being empowered gives me empowerment like it's amazing it's like so weird how that happens it's like it's hard to explain so yeah that's kind of some of my like tips yeah and like shut the fuck up for a while and like go sit down and do some meditation sometimes um for you know for me I highly encourage some sort of a get in your body practice whether that is moving your body or or sitting still in your body you know and and that doesn't have to be anything fancy you don't need you don't need a fancy subscription to something you don't need bolsters and blocks and fancy yoga equipment like you don't need anything like Mm -hmm. I literally sometimes just lay on my rug and do yoga and I have those fancy things, but you don't need them. So it's like, just move your body, get in tune with what, what, like, like move your energy around, you know, those things I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big advocate for because honestly they have changed my life and I've seen them change other people's lives. And you can have be, you know, have different abilities and still do these things. Lots and lots of offerings exist in studio and online for all bodies and all abilities, which I think is really beautiful. So, um, and, and especially now, like it's becoming much more accessible and inclusive and people it's, and it's like so inspiring because people of all walks of life are being able, are, are, are like being empowered to move their bodies. And at the end of the day, if you can't move your body, you're just going to be stuck. And like, and then you're just going to like, never, like if, if you just sit still for the rest of your life, metaphorically or physically, you're not going to have a very long full life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? You know? So no, you really things, do have um, to take care of it. Yeah. And then, and continue to learn. And that's what I was speaking on before. So, you know, 
I'm really, really, really grateful. I've, uh, one of my favorite yoga studios it's, it's in LA, it's in Manhattan beach is, has been offering virtual learning and virtual classes for this whole like year and a half, That's a year fantastic. plus 14 months. And so now because they're offering some in studio and still they're going to offer virtual forever because they've realized how beneficial it is and how many people that it can touch. And sometimes you just don't feel like getting out of your living room. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's really creating, um, a really wonderful, more full space for others. And I'm teaching a workshop virtually and in studio. I wanted to make it accessible for people anywhere. And it's going to be on June 5th and it's just literally called get out of your own way. And effectively I am going to be helping you. Like I mentioned earlier, you, you will be unveil this process of being able to get a sliver of light between who you really are and your beliefs or concepts about who you are. So becoming aware of how you are getting out in your own way in the very moment and stop that shit effectively. (laughs) So um, it's going to be from 1230 to 330 Pacific uh, on June 5th. And you can register at yoga loft MB like Manhattan beach.com. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited for that. And, uh, I also have a blog coming out, um, in the coaching community that I'm a part of, uh, journey coaching, and it's going to be on the same topic. So I'm just very surrounded by, uh, by this, uh, idea of getting out of your own way and really just finding this, um, you know, like, like figuring out like what is holding you back between you and your greatness and, and being able to figure out and you can, you know, I'll offer a lot like tips and tricks and different things that aren't just movement. It's going to be accessible to all types of learners. So it's not going to just be like moving your body. It's not just going to be sitting and talking. It's going to be a variety of things to really help people embody this knowledge and this, these practices. So yeah. No, it, it, it sounds honest, uh, like honestly, fantastic, like mental and physical change and adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shauna, where are going to be the best places for people to find you? Oh, so, okay. So my website is vibrant, like the word vibrant, and then no spaces or dots or dashes and then human, but H U M xn.com so human as in like identifying all types of humans and that's kind of like you know if you go click on my website you'll see that it's rainbow and magical and that's yeah. just you know me <laughs> and so um on on social i am uh at on instagram i'm at shauna v like Vic vibrant uh underscore vibrant human with an x so shauna v underscore vibrant human with the x mm-hmm. perfect yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and I, I really, I don't like that. Those are kind of the, the channels I use that are really dabble in. Those are the ones. ones. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I'm sh- a little slightly ashamed. I started using TikTok, but we'll see how that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, so am I. So we're on the same page. <laughs> Shauna, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was fantastic today. I really, really that. enjoyed it. We, we covered a lot of really good things and I can't wait for everybody to hear this one. Um, thank you. Uh, thank all of you for joining us on the Rebel Mind podcast again. It's been fantastic. We're always worried about questioning the mind. Question the fuck out of yourself. Stay strong and stay rebel minded. I'm your host, Zach. Out. Here we are again at the end. I'm starting to tear up a little bit. And I just want you to know that I'm going to miss you. And I appreciate you. And I love you, and I hope that whatever you're after, 
you keep fighting for it. Your experience is uniquely your own, and so that means so are the challenges that you face. Stay strong, and don't let anyone diminish who you are or what you dream of being. As your friend and fellow flawed human, stay rebel-minded, my friends. Until next time.